Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome in to a new Atlanta Soccer Tonight special. The Women's World Cup kicks off on Thursday, very, very early in the morning. The game times are going to be all over the place as the tournament's being played in Australia and New Zealand. We're going to have tons of coverage here on Off the Woodwork for you after each kind of round of games and round of the knockouts. We're also going to have some on-air coverage around the U.S. Women's National Team games. We'll get into all of that as we go, but this is your official 92.9 The Game, Women's World Cup preview on Off the Woodwork. I'm Jason Longshore, joined by Jessica Charman. Jess, how are you today? Doing very well. Can't believe it is here. It felt like, you know, it was just yesterday we were finishing up the Men's World Cup, and now we get to talk about the Women's World Cup. And this one is not going to disappoint. Yes, we're going to have to stay up late or wake up extremely early. Our sleep and our brains are probably going to be fried. But it's going to be absolutely worth it because this is looking like a summer to remember for women's soccer across the world. I feel like the last two Women's World Cups, we've talked about this, that it's more wide open than ever before. But the last two ended with the U.S. Women's National Team winning the World Cup. They're the favorite coming in once again. But I don't want to use the cliche, but I do feel like this is the most wide open Women's World Cup that we've ever seen. I feel like the U.S. Women's National Team is the favorite. You're always going to be a favorite when you have the quality and the talent pool and that you have that momentum from winning the last two World Cups. But I feel like they're the most slender favorites this year, if that makes sense. The gap between the favorites and then the secondary pool is a lot smaller than it used to be. I think when I talk to U.S. fans, it used to be always that there was a lot of confidence, maybe an air of arrogance, may I use the word, and now we are moving on to, every time I talk to U.S. Women's National Team fans, they're saying to me, hey, Jess, you know, England's looking like it could push us or they're not feeling like this is a guaranteed extra star on the jersey. And that's always a good thing because you don't want to run away with it. You don't want it to be a cakewalk. You want it to be a highly competitive tournament where the best team wins by being forced into playing their best soccer throughout the tournament. Let's let's come back to the U.S. I, I want to kind of set the scene for this tournament, and the U.S. is dealing with it. England's dealing with it. I think pretty much all of the favorites are dealing with it to some degree or another. Injuries, and and it comes up in every World Cup, men's or women's, that you just have bad luck, bad timing of injuries going into the tournament, and, and teams are missing players. This one feels like maybe it's on the higher side of the injuries that are taking away top players from pretty much every major team in the tournament. Is it just timing? Is it just luck? Is it that there's more competitive games in the women's club game than ever before? Uh, what do you kind of read into that? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all three things, right? Injuries are just unfortunate timing-wise, but I also think the workload of the players has increased considerably in terms of the competitive level of the games, in terms of the intense workload, in terms of the pressure. I think with NWSL season being as competitive as ever and they're playing in the run-up of the, of the tournament as well, timing-wise, it's falling very tough on a lot of the U.S. women's national team players as well. And then it goes back to our old friend, the ACL, right? And we're yeah. seeing more and more articles being put out about ways of trying to prevent it, about the disparity between the men's and the women's game in terms of ACL tears. And it feels like we 
need to see even more growth in that research to try and prevent it because it just feels like yes there's other injuries i know that um mm -hmm. mallory swanson was a patella tendon tear slightly different still a knee but slightly different but when you're looking at the majority of these big names that come up on injury reports it feels like acl after acl after acl and i think the players have come out quite vehemently and said hey we need more research into this because it's not fair that there is such a big gap between the amounts of women and men that have this injury and that we need to see a reason why we should be doing the digging with this disparity. Yeah, it's time to, to definitely increase that research because uh, there is a disparity on the, the ACLs. I think it's been that way for a long time between men and women. And, and I know, you know, I've always heard that it's just because of the different body shapes that, that we have mm -hmm. and the different torques on the knees. But I think one of the biggest changes in the women's game is all of those competitive games. And, you know, you go back in the day with the U.S. women's national team, it was almost like a club team. And they did training camps and they'd play a series of friendlies. And, and that was really it. You didn't have the club game also having high profile games and also having intense training sessions. You know, maybe it's a, a larger workload combined with just the, the differences between men and women players that you're seeing this we don't know and, and we need to know so we can help fix it and we're also seeing the travel you know with yeah, a lot of these players that now play in different countries or are playing overseas it's not like everyone is based in the u.s we're seeing a lot of u.s players based in europe we're seeing aussie players based in europe having to travel back and forth between their international games and training camps and then fly all the way back and the time zones and anyone that's done that sort of level of travel knows that the time zone and that travel on your legs and the long flights and the layovers puts a different toll on your bodies in a different capacity. And with more players now opting to not necessarily stay home to play in their club environment and looking for bigger moves, I think we're seeing a, a bigger intensity in that travel workload, not necessarily having the same recovery because you're spending your recovery days on a flight. As you know, flights aren't exactly an ideal recovery standpoint, Jason. Not, not at all. Not at all. And it's something that I think you're still learning about in, in the men's game where maybe there is a little more research and long-term data to track how you deal with these things and what you can do to make it better. And it's something that has to increase on the women's side. Uh, we've even seen in the build-up to this tournament uh, a game between Ireland and Colombia that was stopped 20 minutes in because it was becoming overly physical. Now, a completely different injury scare here. Denise O'Sullivan, uh, heavy tackle. The injury was feared to be serious, but scans showed that there wasn't a fracture. Hopefully, she'll be able to be back for their opener here at the end of the week. But you're also going to get that side of the game that I, I think is becoming a bigger factor in the women's game. And that is the physicality and it is heavy challenges and elbows flying and things that maybe we're not as accustomed to seeing that we all have to adjust to. And with the physicality comes because of the level of the professionalism in the training, these ladies are built for the physical challenges yep. now. I've seen it in my career, the development in the appreciation of the weight room on the women's side of the game. It's not just about good ball control or, or nice athleticism. No, now it's about building your body in a way to prepare for these battles. I did find that one interesting. Listen, you don't ever want to get injuries in the build-up of the World Cup. I know there's some unwritten rules in these friendlies where you know, you're not going to fly in for these 50-50 balls. But at the same time, if you're preparing for a World Cup, you can't go out there and play handbags with each other. You don't want to be just relaxing and not going in for challenges. This decision from Ireland to walk off, I get it, trying to protect themselves, but I think it throws so much confidence to the Colombians right now who are feeling like, hey, we've developed this element of our game. Yes, we're physical, also very technical when you look at a lot of the Colombian women's national team players. I mean, they play some beautiful soccer that we got to see in Copa America on the women's side but they're now going to be building in confidence. Hey, we've got this nasty reputation that teams are going to come in and fear us. And that's always a good feeling to have as a player when you know the opposition are coming in nervous about handling your physicality. Yeah, the storyline I'm taking out of that whole incident is I want to see how Ireland handles the competitiveness once they get into group play. And I want to see how Colombia plays and maybe the reputation that they have 
furthered because they've always kind of had that reputation as a physical team and and a team that maybe doesn't play like like Brazil for example. I, mm-hmm. I think Colombia has always been seen as physical, but now yeah, are they intimidating? And I want to see what that looks like. It's going to be really fun all these little subplots throughout the tournament. Let's let's get into the US women's national team. Um Defending champions, they are going for the three-peat. It's never been done at a Men's World Cup or a Women's World Cup. The draw, I think, is a comfortable one. Uh, Vietnam and Portugal, both first time in the tournament. Portugal is a team to pay attention to. I'm, I'm fascinated to see them as their federation has finally invested heavily in the women's game. But the big high-profile game in the group stage for the U.S., and I think a good test is playing the Netherlands, a rematch of the 2019 final. Now, they're missing people. Vivian Medima of Arsenal, ACL injury. She's out of the tournament. The U.S. is missing players. Becky Sauerbrunn is maybe the biggest factor out of what the U.S. is missing. But what's your takeaways of the U.S. under Vlatko Andonovsky going for the three-peat this year? Firstly, I think the draw favors the US in a lot of ways because sometimes when you get a draw where you feel like you're going to coast through every single game, once you hit the group stages, you've not had that challenge. So I think getting that early challenge with the Netherlands will build confidence, will build momentum, but also they'll have to fight for that result. It's not going to be a walk in the park and that's no disrespect to Portugal. I think that'll be a challenge, but you look at Vietnam, unfortunately they had that nine nil walloping from the Spaniards in a warm up game. And I know it's a warm up game, but still, You'd expect that one to be extremely comfortable for the U.S. just based on the quality and the professionalism of the players that they have. I do think they're missing uh, with Becky's injury. That's a pretty huge loss in terms of the captain, not just on the field, but off the field. That leadership presence, that experience, that defensive mindset is a very significant loss. But when you look through the caliber of the players of the U.S. women's national team, they should be feeling very good about their squad. I think what I really like about the U.S. is that mix between young, up-and-coming talent with a point to prove, with almost a bit of a naivety coming into a World Cup, maybe not understanding the level of this in terms of maybe a bit of like innocence coming into it, having only ever experienced. Like you think about them as fans, a lot of these young players have only ever experienced the U.S. women's national team cruising, you know, so maybe a bit of naivety. And then you've got that experience of the likes of Morgan, of the likes of Rapino. And I think that that's a really lovely blend for the U.S. to work on the next generation of players coming up and maybe a final farewell and salute from some of the experience. With Sauerbrunn out, I said it last night on AST that in my mind, Julie Ertz is the most important player for this team in this tournament. And she's still kind of getting back Mm. to 100% maybe fitness, but also 100% of quality. They have to do everything possible to have Ertz playing at her best when the games really, really matter. Because she might have to move to center back. You have two somewhat inexperienced center backs in Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook. Both very, very talented, but they haven't played in these games yet. Ertz might have to move there, but I'd love to see her in front of them in those games that counts to anchor everything. And you just have to get her ready as best as you can. But that is an area that teams will look to exploit probably just because they understand that she doesn't have the same level of competitive minutes in her. Her sharpness isn't there. And as we know, it's not just about fitness, but mental sharpness and playing in that defensive role. You have to be switched on 110%. I know she's got the experience. She's got the knowledge of the game, the soccer IQ. There's no doubt about her having the talent level. But when you have a long time out and then you don't get as many reps under your belt before a World Cup as would have been ideal, you're going to be an area that teams look to exploit and try and catch you off guard in a moment where you show a little bit of that rustiness, either mentally or physically. Yeah, I I think she's essential. And we will see. If the U.S. wins their third straight World Cup, I think it's because Julie Ertz had one of the greatest comebacks that we've ever seen to get back and carry the team there as the the captain and the leader. Let's talk about another team who I think can win this tournament. And the home team, and there's two in this case, New Zealand, they haven't won a World Cup game. I think they're going to get a boost. I think they get out of the group, actually. I think they're going to get to the knockout round. But Australia is a team 
with Sam Kerr leading them that can absolutely go all the way and win this thing. And, and the excitement around Australia right now for this tournament, they had 50,000 fans uh, for their game in the, the send-off here lately. Um, they're expecting, I think, 80,000-plus for the tournament opener. Australia has to be a team to watch, right? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. They've got the home field advantage, which with the time difference being in a different hemisphere, I think that's even more multiplied versus home field advantages sometimes in other tournaments. They also just have the quality of an individual like Sam Kerr. And I'm not saying it's just a Sam Kerr show because there's plenty of quality around her. But any time you put a player like Sam Kerr into a roster, you have a chance to create something out of nothing. I mean, her movement off the ball is elite level in the women's game. I don't think there's a tougher player to have to mark, to stick with, that knows about timings into the box. And then the ability she has to just make something out of nothing with striking the ball, confidence to pull the trigger, she's high quality. That being said, it's going to be a really tough World Cup for Kerr because she knows she has the weight of an entire nation on her shoulders. I do think she has the mental resilience and kind of just the personality to handle that pressure. And she knows what's expected of her. But we did also see, I've just started watching Matilda's, the uh, documentary on Disney Plus. And you saw in the Asian Cup, the struggle that Kerr had with handling some of that pressure and her finishing was off. I think from a Matilda's perspective, the best thing they can do is in that opener, Kerr needs to find an early goal to grow in confidence, to kind of get that weight off of her shoulder, doing what she does best, finishing a chance. And then you never might know what might happen, particularly when you're led by a manager that understands the pressure more than anybody. Yeah, Tony Gustafsson with Australia. He has been with the the U.S. Soccer Federation. He's been involved in, in U.S. Ne- women's national teams. He's been in these World Cups. He's been involved in winning World Cups. He gets it, and the Federation is really invested heavily in getting this team to this stage. Now, it's not easy for Australia. You could say they're in the group of death. They got the highest-ranked team in Pot 2, Canada, They got the highest-ranked team in pot four, Nigeria. And Ireland, even though it's their first tournament, one of the higher-ranked teams out of pot three. All four teams, I think, are going to have an expectation to get out of the group. But Australia and Canada feel like a little bit of a cut above. Yeah, just with Canada obviously being the reigning Olympic champions, Australia having the home field advantage, you'd expect them to. But we saw it in the Men's World Cup that nothing is obvious. No one is given. I think with Ireland, they thrive at being the underdog, thrive at having a bit of a chip on their shoulder. It's kind of the way that the Irish mentality goes. And then with Nigeria, anything can happen. They've got quality players as well. I think the first game round of the group stages is going to be really vital because whoever's able to pick up a win in that gains the confidence in going into the next game because I really think but this is going to be a group where you get a couple of shock results and decision day on the final day at the group stages could be paramount. We'll get into each of the groups and the makeup here as we go. I do want to touch on New Zealand, the other host of the tournament. Like I said, they've never won a World Cup match, but this group, it's much more comfortable than Australia's group. Norway is the best team in the group. But New Zealand should expect to get past the Philippines and against Switzerland. I think they can at least get something out of that. New Zealand should advance here. And having this tournament in Australia and New Zealand, really big push for growth of the game. I think there's going to be so much focus on Australia. I don't want to forget about what New Zealand and what that national team program is going to see coming out of this. And I think that's so important. Sometimes when you have this split hosting responsibilities, one nation becomes the eye. And because Australia is more well-known on the women's side of the game, probably the more well-known country just from the regular person, uh, they're going to get more focus. But I actually think it's going to be even more vital for the growth of the game in New Zealand just because they're starting at a lower level and that's not to be disrespectful but when you're starting at a more grassroots level you're going to see an even bigger surge but I think the level of that surge is going to be dependent on New Zealand's expectation and their 
reality in this one because I think there is that expectation to get out the group, but they need to get out their group to continue to give sort of the example of the success that this game can bring for their nation. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, let's get into some of the other favorites in this tournament. The U.S. walks in the door as the favorite, according to most of your odds makers worldwide. They're the two-time defending champions. But there are so many other potential teams that could win this tournament. And we have to start with England, not just because you're here, but because they they are the defending European champions. Now, they've had the ACL injuries that have affected them heavily. Beth Mead, out. Mm -hmm. Leah Williamson, out. Um, Jill Scott, Ellen White, retired after the Euros. On paper, this might look like a transition kind of moment for this team but they still have a ton of quality and a lot of young players who if they grab the moment England can be in the final yeah absolutely and I think the mood back home is that they should make the final and anytime you come off winning the Euros and the growth of the female game is incredible the growth of the women's super league and how attractive that league has become to people across the world kind of shows that England is one of the best nations in the world in terms of the investment that they're making in the women's game right now. And I think that you have to be able to improve on the last World Cup where you got knocked out by the USA. You know, it's one of those where the losses you've mentioned are absolutely huge. You look at Mead and the goals that she had in the Euros and what a pivotal player she was. That is very difficult to replace, but there are young up-and-coming talents. There are a lot of players that grew and kind of got their sea legs underneath them in the Euros. And I think that there is a very good chance for this English side. I actually think in a lot of ways, though, the loss to Williams is the biggest one. Just because you're losing the captain, you're losing a defender. Millie Bright's only just coming back from injury as well. So you've got potentially a rusty centre-back pairing back there. England did so well not conceding very many goals in the Euros. That was one of the reasons they were able to be so successful because they had such a good defensive grounding. It's going to be difficult to do that with a changing back line. You're going to hear from Arsenal manager Jonas Edevel here in a bit on the Off the Woodwork podcast. And in his column in The Guardian, that was exactly what he was digging into was missing Leah Williamson. You know, I think we all focus on the goal scorer, but you don't have the ready-made replacements for the captain. And that center-back pairing, we've seen it with England when they have been missing someone. They haven't looked quite as strong. They, they lost to Australia in April. Maybe the last couple of games, the performances have dipped a little bit. It's not going to be easy to get a new backline, And the U.S. is dealing with this as well. I'm but hoping it's, it's, that loss, though, a lot of people look at that loss. I'm hoping that loss was almost needed because we yeah. hadn't lost in such a long time that maybe we were going to come into this one 
complacent. I almost think losing to the Aussies was the biggest wake-up call you needed and almost grounded any players that maybe had slipped into that overconfidence before such a big tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing two of the the young attackers, Ella Toon, Lauren James. Toon is someone that I think a lot of people will remember. She opened the scoring against Germany in the final of the Euros. Uh, 16 goals. Uh, she plays for Manchester United. Lauren James has been getting a lot of hype uh, from Chelsea kind of raw, kind of maybe inconsistent in, in terms of the production, but you see the talent from her. Will she be a sub? Will she be a starter? I think you have a good mix of those kinds of players, also with someone like Lucy Bronze, who mm-hmm. is the most experienced team player in this team. You know, Do you feel like they have the right mix of players and the right leader in Serena Vigman to get it done? I think Serena's amazing. And again, watched some documentaries about the Lionesses and had that nice refresher watching back the women's Euros and the players just say they connect with her on a different level. And what I love about Serena is I feel like she prepares the bench to have their role. You saw it in the Euro final where you're able to bring players off the bench that are able to find the back of the net. There's a lot of teams in both the men's and the women's game where players on the bench kind of sit there, feel sorry for themselves and don't maybe feel content with being on the bench. I feel like with this Lionesses side, the players that sit on the bench know that they're going to have a role. They understand what they're going to have to do. And she does a very good job of managing this talent pool because you're not going to be able to start all 11. You know, you're only going to have 11 players to pick. There are more than 11 starters in this England squad depth, but she's able to utilize them. So I'm excited to see what this team has in them. I'm a bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not going to say that I feel like we're going to win it because I don't want to get complacent, but I would like to see after the group stage and reevaluate once we see how we're able to defend, because honestly, I'm not afraid about us scoring goals. I think we've got goals in us. What I'm more nervous about is the defensive side of the game, just because of the changes we've had to make. You could clip that and put the U.S. in front of it, and maybe we have to tweak your accent a little bit there too, but it's the same storyline. It's it's the back line, because I think both teams have goals in them for sure, and lots of attacking options, but look, both teams have questions defensively. There's no way around it. No, and I think that with England, I love Upton goal. I think she's so good in these big moments, but as a former goalkeeper, I can tell you when you change up your centre-backs, when you've built that relationship with your CBs, it changes everything because you don't have the same tendencies. And people will say, oh, well, I've had long to prep. It doesn't work like that because you haven't had that many games to really build that repertoire with your defensive line. So uh, I put some juice boxes on at least one goal coming from poor build-up play from England conceding, and I'll put it down to that lack of chemistry between goalkeeper and defensive line. I'll put the same down on the U.S. I I think you're going to see some shakiness in the group stage from both in different ways, and and we'll see how the managers handle it and and fix it. And and you've got two experienced goalkeepers who I think will help, but yeah, you're going to have mistakes that happen. You just want them to happen early so you can learn from them as opposed to happening in a knockout game. Now let's get into some of the other favorites in this tournament. Germany, who lost to England in the Euro final, Uh, This is a team that is absolutely loaded. Um, A lot of people have them as the second or third favorite, depending on who you go to. Germany can make a run in this tournament, no doubt. They know about tournament football. They know how to play. They've got the individual talent, like you say. And I also think what helps Germany is so many of the players play for Wolfsburg. So you've got that chemistry within each other. It's always helpful when you can have a core group of your starting lineup play for the same club team because it goes back to what we were just saying about your defensive line understanding each other. Well, if you can have different players from the same team in several of your lines, you're going to be able to act more fluid. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage to this German side. Yeah, Germany will will definitely be a team to watch. And Alina Oberdorf will be a player to watch. She's 21. She's a star in this group. They have that mix uh, of youth really starting to come through at the right time. They went back-to-back in 2003 and 2007. They're a contender to prevent the U.S. from doing the three-peat that no one's ever done. France is a contender as well. Um, I don't know what we're going to get out of France, to be honest. (laughs) Talent-wise, 
unquestionable. They do have injuries just like everybody else that they're going to deal with, but they also have a big managerial change, and, and it happened fairly late in the preparation for this because it had to, and Corrine Diacre was relieved of her duties as head coach after the players wanted that and demanded it. Wendy Renard stepped away from the national team if Diacre continued, and now she's been replaced by Herr Renard, who was with Saudi Arabia in the last Men's World Cup. Um, it's a fascinating story. I just don't know how it all comes together for France. Yeah, it feels very last minute. And like you say, that was something that was a forced hand. They didn't have the choice necessarily to be preparing for this. But when you have a new manager in, are they going to be able to make the changes, have the impact, get to know the players in the same way? Probably not. But France has so much natural ability, so much soccer IQ, so much understanding that perhaps they can kind of find a way to be coached in the right way without needing a coach that necessarily knows them all back to front. But that being said, and it feels like a theme of this entire World Cup with a lot of teams, the off the field issues. Yes, it may be resolved, but I still think some of that, I don't want to say toxicity because it wasn't the player's fault per se, but it's still some toxicity that's existing in there. The fumes of that still remain even once it gets resolved. There's still memories of those moments. There's still, you know, leftovers. And there's a lot of teams during this World Cup that I have a fear that won't be able to demonstrate exactly what they can on the field because of the off the field antics that have occurred, whether due to the players or things that most likely in most of the scenarios are out of the players control. Yeah. And injuries are definitely going to disrupt France. There's no way around it. Missing Amadine Henry Henri is going to be a, a huge issue. They do have Diani who I just want to see where she plays. Is it going to be central? Is it going to be out wide? They've got the talent, but how does it come together I think, and I'm going to jump over to Spain on this, I think they're kind of similar in that they have had issues off the field. They've had labor battles. They've had issues with the Federation. There are some players who are boycotting this World Cup that would be in the starting lineup for Spain. But some players who were initially in the boycott have rejoined the team. And the biggest one in that group, and she's back from injury, is Alexia Puteas, uh, back-to-back Ballon d'Or winner, 10-month absence due to an ACL, came back in April. And again, she was going to boycott. She had stepped away from the national team because of the issues with the Federation. She has come back in. She hasn't been playing all that long, but she's looked really good since coming back. Is she enough for Spain to kind of overcome some of that disruption? Becomes a bit of a, you don't want to rely on one player, right? But at the same time, look at how Spain's been doing in their warm-up games. And I know it's Vietnam again. You have to take with a grain of salt. But anytime you're able to connect and find nine goals against an opposition in 90 minutes, you're doing something right. Spain has an identity, a style. They're enjoyable to watch. But those off-the-field antics are bound to be somewhat of a distraction. And it's got to be frustrating as a player to know that you have quality that's at home. And yes, you understand why they're doing it. It makes sense. It's a moral thing. But at the same time, if I'm playing for that Spanish side right now, looking alongside me and thinking, dang, I could have had a couple of high quality players, you're going to feel frustrated. And I wonder if that becomes deflating if Spain concedes a goal or if in Spain ends up with a, a you know, a, a disappointing start in the first group stage game. Do you start feeling sorry for yourself and not be able to channel the ability that you have? Two others that we have to talk about. They met in the final of the last Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. Sweden won the silver. Canada won the gold. Canada went through what Australia will go through this summer, hosting a tournament, big expectations. They didn't handle that well in 2015. It feels like after maybe a changeover in generations, with the exception of Christine Sinclair, Canada, 40 years old. She's played in almost 400 matches for Canada. She has almost 200 goals. A little bit more of a number 10 role. This Canadian team is stacked. They've got confidence with a gold medal. Sweden's maybe got the chip on their shoulder Mm -hmm. with that silver because they have just kept progressing and they're right there. They could be a big surprise in this tournament. Yeah, and I think you talk about Sweden with a chip on their shoulder when you get destroyed in the Euros, and I'm not trying to rub salt into the wounds, but when England flew them off the pitch 4-0, they didn't take that very well either. 
you know, you're not going to take those things well. And I think that with Sweden, it feels like they're always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of thing, where they're always very close, but they're never able to quite make it in. Maybe this is the year. Maybe they sneak in because of an underdog. I think there are going to be people on opposition sides that maybe let them slip under their radar because you're right, they are getting better. They are improving. The Scandinavian game in Europe is one of the most elite. They produce so many good players. You see it even in the collegiate level, the amount of Scandinavians that come over to play in the US just because of that pathway as well. And they're always very talented. They always have a great soccer IQ. And I'll tell you, they're always huge, it feels like. Every Scandinavian I ever played with was built like a brick and extremely athletic. So they have a lot of quality for Canada. I think they want to make amends for you know, not necessarily being able to continue to thrive after the Olympics in the way that maybe they would like to. I think Sinclair is, she knows this is, this has to be the last one. I mean, I thought it was Marta's last World Cup last time. So maybe, maybe we're wrong, but she's going to want to go out with a bang, you know, and she's going to want to be able to show what she can still do. And listen, there's not many players that have the engine or have the physicality or the ability to carry on being in a World Cup squad at 40, but she is one of them. According to FanDuel Sportsbook, as of today, Canada is the 10th favorite to win the tournament. I can see Canada winning the tournament. They, they are the defending gold medal champions right now from the Olympics. That was a few years ago, but not that far back. Um, Sweden is the seventh favorite. Brazil and the Netherlands are between those two. Japan and Norway complete the top 12, but the top six, France is six, Australia's five, Germany's four, Spain is three, England is two, and the U.S. at plus 240 is the favorite, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. Do any of those kind of rankings jump out to you in terms of, that's a shock? Uh. I think Canada feels extremely low, honestly. Yeah, it does. When I look at that, just based on the experience they have and the fact that here's the thing, the turnover rate between the Olympics and now isn't that significantly high. It's not been long, like you say. It really hasn't because with COVID, the Olympics was only in 2021, right? So we're looking at two years. So from them to go from winning an Olympic medal gold to falling down to 10th, feels a little wild, you know, but if you've got juice boxes, that might be a one that feels kind of favorable because I'm guessing you get some pretty good odds on that potential. Plus 3,400 for Canada. If uh, you are into the juice boxes, that would mean if you put 100 juice boxes down on Canada to win the tournament, you're going to get 3,400 back if they do it. Uh, Sweden at plus 1,800 is one that jumps out to me. Australia as the fifth at plus 900. That one's pretty fascinating as well. I do want to talk about a couple of players that maybe we haven't mentioned yet. We've talked about Christine Sinclair as a player to watch. Sam Kerr, uh, you brought up Marta, 37 (laughs) years old. This has to be her last World Cup. She's got the players around her that I don't think she had four years ago. And Brazil, and I think it's a good thing for them, to maybe be under the radar a little bit. They could make some noise. I actually think that's why she came back, honestly, because you'll remember her empowering speech saying that she was going to hand off the torch and she was done. And we were all upset and emotional thinking, you know, the legend is retiring. Well, I think she's had a little look at this roster and who she could be playing with. And the fact that she feels like, hey, uh, you know what? I'm not going to be a a one-man show on this roster. There's going to be plenty of players that can step up and help me. And she feels pretty good about it. I think you're right. Sometimes, as we talk about with the chance of Sweden, sliding under the radar, maybe being a bit of an underdog works in their favor because all eyes right now, let's be honest, they're on the US and they're on England. These are two teams with targets on their back. If you can slip in and not have as big of a target on your back, teams might take you for granted. And that's when you're able to pounce with the quality that Brazil has. I think there's a few potential breakout players for the U.S. Uh, I keep coming back to Sophia Smith, though, the NWSL's youngest ever player of the year, 14 goals in 18 games for the Thorns. She's just explosive up top. I don't know what the front three necessarily looks like for the U.S. just yet, and I think we'll see different permutations of it in the group stage. When you get down to business, I think it is Alex Morgan – I think it's Trinity Rodman who could also Mm -hmm. be a breakout player in this tournament. 
and I think it's Sophia Smith. And that front three is scary. Yeah. It's scary. If you're a defender or you're a fan of a team that they're playing against, you don't want to because they've got a little bit of everything. They've got experience. They've got youth. They've got a player that's not afraid to pull the trigger. That goal from Rodman is just insane. I've seen that so many times. An eye for a goal. And then you've got someone like Morgan that has that confidence, a little bit of cheeky arrogance that can work in her favor as well. There's a lot of good players on the U.S. women's national team. I'm excited to see uh, Thompson break out as well, see what she can do. Yep. Obviously, number one draft pick, making waves in NWSL. It, it's exciting for a U.S. team to see what they can do. But that being said, they've got to handle that pressure. They've got to handle that role of being a favorite because they're going to have a big target on their backs. And as we said before, they're going to have to face some adversity in this tournament. And it's whether they're able to thrive in that adversity or whether maybe they're missing some of that leadership that helps them deal with that and sort of handle that adversity. Two players on teams we haven't mentioned yet that I definitely want you to keep an eye on. Uh, Barbara Banda from Zambia at the Olympics two years ago had hat tricks and back-to-back games against the Dutch and China, two good teams. Uh, Zambia finished third in the African Cup of Nations last time out. She scored twice in a 3-2 upset win in Germany in a World Cup warm-up game. Zambia might not get out of the group. They've got Spain and Japan who are going to be clear favorites to get out of that group, but Barbara Banda is definitely a player to watch. Yeah, and for Banda, she's got confidence. You don't not have confidence after scoring that many goals and being able to be clinical against very difficult sides. The one thing that worries me about her playing in a side like Zambia is she is the lady that everybody circles in the locker room. She is the player that the coaching staff are going to be like, hey, you don't give her an inch to breathe. You don't give her a moment. And maybe if you're on a side that has more of those names, you're able to kind of share that load but if you've scored goals against Germany, if you're feeling confident, if you scored two hat-tricks, like you say, then she clearly is able to find space from somewhere. One other player that, look, we're a little biased because we called her GHSA state championship win with Shambly High School, Soleil Washington of Jamaica. Uh, recently named player of the year in Georgia as a junior. She's got one more year in high school to go. She'll be playing for Shambly in the spring of 24. But Soleil Washington, one of the youngest players in the tournament, she'll represent Jamaica. I hope she gets on the field. I hope she gets some playing time. I think she deserves to if she can play anything like she did in that Chambly final. She's just so incredibly smart, great soccer IQ, great eye for a pass, great first touch, the superlatives, the skills. She's quick, which helps, obviously, but she's so much more than speed. She's strong. She understands how to use her body. She understands how to time her runs. Jamaica's side obviously made their debut in the last World Cup. I remember with their goalkeeper having some big standout performances and them stealing a lot of hearts but not being able to obviously progress. I think this year they've seen a lot of growth. But again, GoFundMe pages looking to help them make their way to the World Cup. A lot of distractions. It's going to take a lot of maturity from quite a young side to be able to channel that frustration with their federation into performing on the field. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Let's run through the groups really quick here on this preview show. Um, Not going to get into every single team. The thing I love about this tournament is we're going to, to learn about players that we haven't seen countries that we don't know how their women's game has grown there's gonna be upsets i think you do have some teams that 
are going to struggle in this. You might see some lopsided scores. It's the the process of expanding the tournament and I think overall growing the level. But I can't wait to see who the surprises are going to be. Some of them are we're not even going to have any clue right now as we go through this. Group A, look, it feels somewhat clear-cut, at least for number one with Norway. They're a clear favorite. The second-place spot that goes to the knockouts, a toss-up. We mentioned New Zealand earlier. Switzerland ranked a little bit higher. Philippines are a, a wild underdog here. I think New Zealand can get through. I think they'll have that little bit of home field advantage that'll help them in the the game that'll be the most decisive with Switzerland. I agree as well. I do think the Philippines is going to be a fun team to watch, though, and all U.S. fans should have a bit of investment in that Philippines side just because of how many of the players are based in the U.S. as first-generation immigrants or parents of Filipinas. That is going to be an exciting young team to watch, and it's just still incredible that they're able to find a way to qualify in their debut year. I love the the underdog teams and the underdog stories. I can't wait to see the Philippines pull a point from somebody. You know, let's let's be a spoiler here. Group B: Australia, Canada. I think it's very clear that they're expected to get through over Ireland and Nigeria. Any worries from you about Australia and Canada? I think the matchup between the two of them is going to be extremely exciting. It will be interesting to see how those two play out. I don't know, honestly. I. I think that it's very obvious that they're the favorites, but anything can happen. And I do think that, you know, I I don't know why I have this gut feeling about Canada just not being able to perform the way that they want to. It's just something's telling me. I mean, I think back to the Men's World Cup and how Canada did, and I'm just like, oh, maybe something's going to feed in across. I just have a weird feeling about Canada. Ireland could be a surprise in their first tournament for sure. Group C, I feel like Spain and Japan will get through, but we talked about Barbara Bando with Zambia. She gets on a goal-scoring run. Zambia could pull points from somebody. And Costa Rica, you mentioned the Philippines with so many players with U.S. ties. Costa Rica will be that as well. Two potential spoilers there, and when you have a player like Banda, if she has one hot game, she could knock a Spain or a Japan out. And with Banda, what it is, is about timing of goals, right? If she scores an early goal, anything can happen, particularly as I talked about Spain and the mentality of how the Spaniards are feeling with everything going on in their federation. If you get an early goal for Zambia, who knows? The heads of the Spanish drop, they're not able to play their soccer. Or if Zambia is able to stay really organized and just try and sort of defend, you never know what can happen. And they'll see an eye for a prize there. Beating Germany in Germany will give them incredible confidence coming into this. I I picked Spain and Japan to get through, but I would love to see Zambia get through at the expense story, of one it? of them. Yeah, it would just who, who be would you sacrifice? Story. Which one would you say? I, I, I've always loved the Spanish team and how they play. I love the style. I've always been a big supporter of them and, and what they're, they're trying to do, but I think they're more likely to slip up than Japan. I think Japan is maybe not what they've been in the past. They don't have as many total game changers as they've had before, but they feel more stable. Spain Mm -hmm. could be a little bit up and down. Yeah, and I think it's the sturdiness of the Japanese that they just have that composure. I'm a bit worried about the Spanish composure going into this one. They could be incredible in this tournament. They could make a run all the way to the final, or they could get knocked out in the first round. Like I, I, I can <laughs> Anything can happen. Happening. Anything can happen. Anything can happen with the Spanish. Uh, group D, England is the clear, clear favorite. Okay. Denmark is a bigger favorite than I thought they would be for second place. I thought China might be a little bit closer to them. Haiti is the fourth place ranked team. The story of Haiti getting to this tournament for the first time. Just amazing how they had to play their way in. Yeah, and I think the other part about Haiti is the way the players have come out and said this is what the nations needed. With every struggle that the Haitian people have had and all of the different things that they can't control, soccer has been the one thing that they can almost control in bringing the people together and giving them something to cheer about. And what's funny is you can see people of Haitian descent. I've got a friend that's married to a Haitian man and he, you know, is now invested 110% in women's soccer in a different capacity because of the way that they've been able to just create this outlet for the people of a nation that is struggling in so many ways. 
for Atlanta United fans, keep an eye on Danielle at the end for Haiti. Um, she's an outstanding player at Fordham uh, in college, and she's one to watch with a potential move to Europe and playing, and she'll be a player that will have big expectations in this tournament to make a name for herself. It's always exciting when you have those personal links to clubs as well. Uh, I think that Haiti are going to be one that captivates the hearts of the fans, you know, of the neutral. People are going to be rooting for Haiti as an underdog. I would love to see them get a result in the tournament. It's going to be difficult. I think England and Denmark should get through, but China could pull a surprise potentially. You just never know. And I'm not trying to say this to kind of jeopardize it, but for England, they need to be clinical and they need to put games in bed. I think when I look back at even the Euros, England has a very good job of playing up to oppositions, but then struggling at times to just shut up shop against lower quality sides. So it's about setting a statement and it's hard opening against Haiti because you know how compassionate people feel about them, but you can't really hold any prisoners. The U.S. is kind of in the same situation in, in Group E. They open with Vietnam. They play the Dutch second. They play Portugal in the third game, which could be more difficult than maybe it looks. Again, it's the first tournament for Portugal, but they've been very, very competitive. They have a lot of talent in this group. The Dutch finish the group stage with Vietnam, which would be an expected win for the Dutch. The U.S. needs to win the group or the route gets a lot trickier if they come in second. They should win the group, right? Yes. Yes. But you just, you just <laughs> never know. That's how I am. About those variables, right? We're talking about the variables of the change up in the lineups. And I do think the U.S. as well have a bit of that tendency of England that, you know, they do sometimes not perform to their best ability in certain games. I think that it's about goals because a lot of this could come down to goal difference. Let's just say that the Netherlands and the US tie and it's completely possible that that happens, then it's going to go down to goal difference. So clinical finishing, you talked about that ferocious potential front three for the US. Well, they're going to need to play very well in those other two group stages and not worry about racking up score lines and not feeling bad about celebrating goals either. If I may bring Don't it back care. to a previous World Cup. Don't care. Do it. Like, celebrate. You have to celebrate and score uh -huh. as many as you can. It is a it is like I say, imagine, imagine then you get the tough path because you put your foot off the gas. Yeah. Keeping your foot on the gas is going to be so important in all these games because I do think the Netherlands and the US could end in a tie. I truly think it could. Absolutely, it could. And the Dutch would be extremely happy with that. They have nothing to lose in terms of going in and playing defensively, try to stifle the US, try to hit on the break. They can do that. It's it's. That the U.S. route to the final is not as wide open as I think maybe some think it is. Group F, France and Brazil, fairly clear cut to be one two ahead of Jamaica and Panama. Second World Cup ever for Jamaica, first for Panama. Two Concacaf teams in the same group. Jamaica has some quality with Bunny Shaw. We talked about Sole Washington, but France and Brazil should be clear one two. I don't know what order. But it should be a clear one-two, in my opinion. I think if France and Brazil don't advance, there's been something going horribly wrong. I think if you're um, Jamaica, you're thinking perhaps you're able to sneak in against France. Maybe the little bit of disruption in the French league might go in your favour. But it's a tough ask. It's definitely a tough ask. But again, with Jamaica, you're just rooting for them to get a point, to score some goals, to celebrate, to get that performance. And when you've got Bunny, I mean, you've always got goals in the tank there. Group G, Sweden is the big-time favorite at minus 370. I think second place is a toss-up between Italy and Argentina. The The Italians is another – that's another federation that has finally started to invest in the women's game. The Serie A, Feminil, has, has really improved over the years. Argentina started to do the same, and they did get to the knockout rounds last time. Argentina, Italy, like that's a that's a game that's got some rivalry anyway. That could decide second place. I think that'll be one of the underrated games of the group stage to watch. One of the crazy heated matches as well. I'm sure there'll be plenty of passion going on into that game. I wonder for the Argentine women, when you see a men's team win a World Cup, I think it motivates you, gives you belief. And I think it's one of the things I love about the men's story is losing that first group game. I think no matter what happens for the Argentina women's side, they're going to feel like they still have an opportunity 
and to fight and try and do whatever the men can do. Yeah, there's a couple stories with with Argentina for me. It's a team that has had players come and go. They've had issues with the Federation over the years. Uh, I remember in the last World Cup when that game they had with it was Scotland that was just absolutely insane with all kinds of crazy moments and things that happened. Uh, Argentina gets through Benini, Estefania Benini, who plays for Atletico Madrid, an incredible player. Now, she was away from the national team for a while. She's back. And in a player that we saw here locally last season, a freshman at Kennesaw State, Kiara Singarella, she made the final roster. Now, she's transferring to Alabama in the fall, top team in the SEC, one of the top teams in the country. But Singarella... In the little bits that we saw at Kennesaw, she had some injuries in her freshman year. Really explosive attacking talent who's already scored for the Argentine women's national team. So, you know me, I'm an Argentina fan no matter what. So I'm, I'm pulling for Argentina here, and I can't wait to see if they can make that jump on the women's side and be one of the top teams in South America. And I think that's the other part. South America in a whole, the women's game has just improved so much. The respect for the women's game, the grassroots level, uh, from my experience spending time in Colombia, it's now become normal for girls to be playing soccer. You know, when I go over to Colombia and I put on my gloves, people don't just think, oh, what on earth? There's a girl playing. Now it's understood, it's respected, and it's a normal sport for women to enter. They're setting a, a really big example to young girls watching and playing. And that's why it's so exciting for the South American teams being represented that they really are setting the footprint forwards for the next generation of young soccer players in their home countries. Well, you brought up Colombia. That's Group H, the last of the groups. They are the expected team to finish second in the group, although South Korea is right there with them. Germany is the biggest favorite to win their group at minus 1,000, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Morocco completes the group. Colombia, South Korea, that's another game that is going to be one of those to watch in the group stage because if there's a winner, they're probably advancing. Absolutely. And I think that the feeling in Colombia right now is that they should advance just based on the way that the young women are starting to progress. We saw it in the Youth World Cup and the way that they're playing in Copa America. It's growing and growing and growing in terms of the game. And they've got a player like Linda Caicedo that's so exciting to watch. She is the next big thing in Colombia. And I'm just hoping that they're able to advance because obviously that's a team that owns my heart as well. But like you say, they have to be able to perform in those other group stages because it feels like uh, Germany's running away with that one. I don't know if you've done a bracket yet for the women. I haven't yet. No, I need to. I know. Okay. I will. I'll ask you a couple of general questions then okay. here instead of getting a, unless you want to give a prediction for a final and everything. It's up to you. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll get, I'll, I need to actually sit down with okay. my pen and paper because I want to make sure I'm representing myself truly because you're going to hold me accountable at the end of the Oh, of course. Year. No, and, and you're going to have to report what your, your pen and paper tell you. because we, I, we I will post it on Twitter this evening. Yeah, we, we have to compare. I've done a bracket, so okay. I, I'll, I'll give you where mine ended up uh, after I ask you a couple general questions. So likelihood in your opinion of the U.S. making the final. Seven out of ten. Okay. What about England? Five out of ten. Who would be the other two possibilities, highest possibilities for you to get to the final? Okay, I'm going with my heart. Well, like I, I would love Brazil to make a final just for Marta. And I think there's a chance. I really do. I'm wondering if the Dutch is going for a revenge tour. Uh, I think that could be very exciting as well. So I'll go with those two. Who do you think could be the biggest surprise in the tournament? And why would bad. they be a surprise? Either way. Yeah, it can go either way. Let's see the Germans flop out after going Ooh. through the group stages, have a have a little flop out. I okay. Mean, they couldn't they couldn't bring home the Euros, could they? Oh, talking trash even. I like <laughs> oh my it. goodness. Who okay, then I have to ask you, who would be the positive surprise? I'm going to go with Colombia. I really think okay. that 
they're going to get out the group stages and for them a huge success and surprise would get out the group stage and win that first knockout round game Oh, I got some bad news for you on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my, how my bracket worked out. Um, when I get to the round of 16, based off who wins groups and who comes in second in groups, I had Australia and Denmark, and I have mm -hmm. Australia winning that and going to the quarterfinals. Makes sense. Okay. They will play the winner, according to my predictions, of Brazil and Colombia. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, yeah. Can't have, I can't have both things, can I? No. No, I have Brazil pulling the up, not the upset, but no, advancing making, there and yeah. going in to face Australia in the quarterfinals. Be a, that will be a game, though, in South America. Like, that would be a great game regardless. Now, according to my predictions, um, and I, it's not letting me go back to the group. I can't remember the order here. I'll have to go back and, and look at it again. I had England and Canada potentially meeting in the round of 16. Okay, I feel okay about that one personally. Okay. I have England advancing in okay, that. Okay, okay, cool. I have Germany and France meeting on the other side of that bracket in the round of 16. And I have France beating Germany. See, okay, see, yeah. So okay. We're on the same page we're there. So that, you made me feel bad about talking trash on Germany. So that side of the bracket is Australia and Brazil, England and France in the quarterfinals. The other side, Norway and Spain. I have Spain winning. USA Argentina, I have the US winning, although I will be completely and utterly torn in that one. Uh, Japan and New Zealand, I have Japan advancing. And Sweden and Portugal, my one of my biggest surprises was Portugal getting through instead of the Netherlands. Okay, yeah, that's wow. So the Man. Netherlands being the biggest flop. That would be the biggest flop for me. Uh, and I have Sweden getting past Portugal in the round of 16. So quarterfinals on that side. Spain, USA, Japan, Sweden. Okay. okay. We'll flip back over to the other side. Australia, Brazil. I have Australia winning and getting to the semifinals. Okay. I, 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 I would love to see that game. I hope we get this that This next game. one, Jason, I've got a lot riding on this one because this is an emotionally loaded game, in case you didn't remember. Oh, I know. England and <laughs> France. I have England getting to the semifinals. Against Australia. Yes. On the oh. other side, I have the U.S. advancing over Spain. And I have Sweden advancing over Japan. Okay. So we have semifinals. And both would have some real friction between them. I mentioned Australia beating England not that long ago. And Sweden has had the U.S.'s number oh, as of that's late. The, uh, that's the game of uh, Hope Solo, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the 2016 Olympics. And Sweden's won other games against the U.S. since then. Um, I have... England and the United States both winning and getting to the final. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, I did, it's so fun. I did not plan for that at all either, the way that I did this. Um, oh. That's how I it mean, shook out. It would be amazing, but I would hate every second. Of, it would be a horrible I know. game to watch. I know, I know. I do have Australia winning the third place match, and I have the U.S. beating England 2-1 in the final. Sorry. You said what? U.S. beating England 2-1 Again? 2-1 again? Yeah. Do we miss a penalty in your final? Uh, it might happen. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I mean, what a final that would be. What a marketing <laughs> boy for uh, women's soccer. And I think there'll be a lot of eyes on the game. And... <sighs> Could you imagine? But the three-peat is a thing for the U.S. for you? Yeah, and I didn't think that, honestly, before I started doing the bracket. I, I really did not think that until you start to get into the matchups. And, and I think one factor to keep in mind as you're making predictions out there, the U.S. has a route that, I mean, it's not like a, a cakewalk, but if you compare the U.S. bracket to England's bracket, mm -hmm. the U.S. could see Argentina or Italy in the round of 16, they could see Spain or Norway in the quarterfinal. You're going to be a favorite there, too. And a semifinal where you could have the Dutch, you, you could have Japan, you could have Sweden. You're going to be a favorite pretty much the whole way. None of those games are easy, but you're going to be a favorite. The other side, I mean, that, that bottom part of the bracket, round of 16, I had England and Canada and Germany could and France. Anyone. Yeah. It, it's toss-ups. Brazil. Australia, on the other half. I'll take awesome. solace in that, though. The one thing, 
that I take solace in if it does end up if England has that path, I think they get challenged more in their pathway to the mm. final, which could work either way. Either they're exhausted, they're yeah. bent out of shape, they've had extra time, or they storm through the challenge and they're ready to um drink some tea against Alex Morgan again. Mm, we will see. Um it's gonna be a fun tournament. It's gonna be a really fun tournament. What we're gonna do here on Off the Woodwork is after each round of games, we're gonna break everything down for you. So when everybody's played a game, we'll have a recap podcast. When everybody's played two and at the end of the group stage and so on and so forth. Uh, just because the game times are so spread out, it's going to be hard to find those spots in between to actually recap things on a daily basis. We'll also have some live on-air coverage on 92.9 The Game starting Friday, 11 o'clock. Should be right after the opening game for the U.S. where they play Vietnam. That kicks off at 9. We'll be on from 11 to 12 on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app breaking everything down from that and what's happened in the World Cup so far. We'll be back next Wednesday after the U.S.-Netherlands game, which will be a fascinating one. That's 9 o'clock. We'll be on air at 11 o'clock from 11 to 12. And we will have more games and, and times and things after that. It just depends on how things fall. And if the games are in the middle of the morning, we'll do a preview, et cetera, et cetera. So going to be a lot of fun covering this. Jess, I can't wait for this tournament to kick off, and it all starts on Thursday. Cannot wait. And now that you've given me your bracket, excited to go home and make mine and wonder if I get a U.S.-England final as well because I don't know if my heart is ready for that. I don't think I can watch that one with you again. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if I can commit to doing a, a post-game show after a fight. A final hits a little different. It does hit a little bit different. Uh, we will have all kinds of coverage for you all summer long. Can't wait for this thing to kick off. Thanks for hanging out with us on another AST special. Women's World Cup kicks off on Thursday. We'll be covering it here on Off the Woodwork throughout the summer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 